provide $60 billion to Ukraine, boost support for Israel, and provide additional funds for Taiwan, along with reconstruction aid for Gaza. And in weather today, in Washington, D.C., it is 47 degrees and sunny. In New York City, 44 degrees and sunny. For WPFW News in Washington and WBAI in New York, I'm Sue Goodwin. Good afternoon. This is the Shai Rana Show with your host Zain Alameen. This is a show that focuses on Arab culture and politics, and it airs every Wednesday for one hour at WPFWFM.org and WBAIFM. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Zain Lamin with the Shayunana Show. And uh, today I'm going to start up with uh, updating you on what's happening in uh, Gaza, the most important story right now in the Arab world. And as you know, this is a show about Arab culture and politics. And, um, and our focus has been on Gaza, of course, because it's the greatest humanitarian crisis right now and we are paying for it um and uh, speaking of paying for it i wanted to before i launch into the news and the actions that are happening which i do every week i've been updating you on the news and updating you on the actions that are happening in the city and nationwide and around the, the world as 
This is a global uprising. This is a global intifada that we are witnessing now. It's not just about Palestine, but Palestine has become the litmus test right now for global justice. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure that uh, uh, in this first day of, of fundraising uh, for our station, uh, that you make a donation to the show to keep it going uh, by calling 800-222-9739. That's 800-222-9739. Or you can call or you can uh, go to wpfwfm.org. That's wpfwfm.org and uh, go to the donate button and scroll down to the Shai Nana show um, and, and make a donation there. Another simple way to make a donation is uh, uh, on your cash app right there on your phone. Uh, uh, you can make the donation to dollar sign WPFW. That's dollar sign WPFW. And uh, the if this station was important before, it's even more essential right now for justice. Uh, and especially with the censorship that's happening. This is a station that depends solely on you, on uh, listeners. It doesn't depend on Lockheed Martin or uh, Northrop. It doesn't depend on uh, uh, you know these big foundations. It depends on the listeners. And that's why we're able to say what we we say without censorship. Uh, uh, and it, it's very rare these days that uh, that uh, we have uh, where we can be so free uh, in reporting what's happening, this genocide that's happening in real time on our screens, on our phones, on our computers. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's been such a huge attempt for censorship, the latest of which were Northwestern University students that were uh, uh, these two black students that basically put together a leaflet that is sort of a mock magazine uh, uh, that uh, 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 implicated Northwestern University in in the genocide uh, because of the uh, the the funding uh, that they receive um, and and the the basically the companies that they associate with and uh, Northwestern in turn uh, used an old law that was meant to uh, 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 to confront or, or to deal with uh, white supremacist ironically. Um, and uh, uh, like white supremacist propaganda. They used it against progressive black students that are uh, uh, supporting Palestine. And these students, by the way, they can face up to, as you heard, if you hear Democracy Now! in the morning, which everybody should start their day these days with Democracy Now! on WPFW, that, uh, that uh, uh, these are, uh, students are actually, believe it or not, facing a year in jail right now. Uh, so that's the kind of censorship and uh, uh, the philosophy of the Lebanese resistance and the Palestinian resistance and the Yemeni resistance is they go high, we go low. Basically, the uh, uh, right now war is being democratized uh, in the sense that the these huge weapons of mass destruction have become basically huge targets for small arms um and and that's why uh the the all these three fronts are making uh, are actually gaining ground not physical ground but gaining ground in terms of the battle battles with israel and the united states um uh, so uh, when I say go low, meaning you're going to be depending on radio more and more as uh, because I guarantee you when the dust settles over this war, there's going to be a, a, even a more of a focus on censorship because we have these billionaires on every board of every foundation of every university that are 
putting money into uh, 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 pressuring and lobbying politicians uh, to put uh, uh, on the books more laws on censorship. And uh, uh, we are inoculated against censorship here as long as we follow um, the regulations, the federal regulations, we are, we're good to go. And uh, our freedom of speech is, is indeed free. Um, so again, I'm going to give the number one more time and then I'm going to update you on what's happening on the Gaza front. And then we're going to go into this report uh, that is an interview by Electronic Intifada with Leila Haddad, uh, the the uh, writer and uh, chef and uh, uh, who uh, has lost multiple members of her family about this case, this federal court case that her and others took uh, to the California federal court to uh, to uh, basically taking Biden to court for uh, his part his his part in killing children and women and men and civilians in Palestine. Uh, if if it's this has gone beyond just not voting for Biden, or, or of course I'm not advocating for voting for Trump, but as we saw this past. Uh, a uh, couple of days that uh, Nick Haley, uh, in a primary that she did and uh, she was involved in in Las Vegas, 65% uh, of the vote went actually to none of the above and only 35% to her. That's what our ballots should look like come November uh, is none of the above. But I'm not satisfied if, if Biden just loses the election. He needs to be taken to court for the mass killing of tens of thousands of children, tens of thousands of women, and tens of thousands of men. Uh, uh, seven, at least, uh, at, at least uh, uh, another seven to 10,000 that are under the rubble. He is first and foremost responsible. He's the one that supplied the 2,000 pound bombs to be dropped on residential buildings as when they ran out. This, uh, he's directly implicated and he's under siege uh, by his administration right now, but he's too uh, lost in space to understand what's going on, really, that that's what's, uh, what's remarkable, uh, that th this person uh, who's suffering from senility and God knows what is, is actually running the most powerful military uh, in the world and attacking, by the way, uh, Biden called for that for the targeting of 85 locations in in uh, Iraq and Syria, and then afterwards he says, "I don't want to expand the war." This is the kind of craziness that happen happens. There's like a a a the a, 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 a competition in madness between Trump and, and Biden right now. Each of them crazier than the other. Um, so anyway, the point, the, the one thing I wanted to mention is this, what, where we stand right now is a three part, uh, a three stage truce offer that's been offered, uh, by Hamas, uh, today. Um, uh, so, uh, this is a hundred. So here's what the proposal by Hamas is in terms of the ceasefire, um, and this is an answer to uh, uh, the proposed proposal that was put before them for a ceasefire that was mediated by Qatar, the nation of Qatar, which, uh, if you don't know, it is the uh, it is the home of Al Jazeera station, which was doing amazing reporting on the ground in Gaza. So uh, here's the Hamas proposal. It's a 135-day proposal with three stages uh, as a truce offer. Each phase, each of these three phases is 45 days, aiming for a permanent uh, ceasefire by the end via later de deal. So phase one, Hamas releases Israeli women 
children and elderly and the sick. And also, uh, in return, Israel releases 1,500 Palestinian hostages, including 500 serving uh, uh, life sentences. These are Palestinian prisoners. By the way, most of them have been in prison there without even trial. That's why we refer to them as hostages too. Um, Israel uh, lets displaced Palestinians in Gaza return to their homes, plus free, allow them to move freely in Gaza. That's phase one. So an exchange of prisoners and uh, a, a return uh, for Gazans home. Phase two is releasing the remaining male Israeli hostages plus uh, full withdrawal of Israeli troops from Gaza. Uh, and that's simply phase two. Phase three is both sides release any bodies or remains, um, uh, both Hamas and Israel. Also, Israel facilities facilitates full rebuilding of homes, public and economic facilities in three years, plus 500 aid trucks daily, plus opening border crossing, ending uh, uh, and ending uh, Israeli settlers storming Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, which by the way, they've been doing, they've been attacking one of the holiest place of uh, Islam before October 7. For those liberal uh, idiots that have have said that Hamas provoked Israel, well, the provoke provocations came much, uh, uh, much earlier than October 7 and have been going on for 75 years. Uh, some of these people are my ex-friends now. Uh, so uh, that's that's the three-phase proposal uh, that that uh, Hamas has put forward to uh, put forward. Um, and uh, uh, the the last thing I wanted to talk about is the resistance continues in the US, the latest actions at the Durham, North Carolina, of all places in North Carolina, the people of Durham are amazing. Uh, they actually took over a city council meeting. And uh, as uh, one of the council members talked about a ceasefire and uh, was receptive to it, everybody stood up with the exception to the handful of, of Zionists that were there. Everybody stood up with roses and sang. Uh, uh, in support of Gaza. It was a beautiful uh, action that was organized by mothers for a ceasefire in Durham. And these kids and these mothers placed the roses at, uh, uh, at the foot of the podium uh, on a white uh, 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 cloth um, and overwhelmed the, the Zionist presence as we've been overwhelming them everywhere. Uh, um, and uh, 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 the other thing, the, the other thing, the other action that was remarkable was uh, happened in New York, and uh, and that action was the human rights campaign was having a gala in New York. Uh, 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 this is uh, another misnamed organization because. Uh, the human rights campaign actually takes money from the military industrial complex that's uh, responsible for not only the massacre of innocent civilians, uh, uh, but also uh, the, its impact on on global uh, warming. Uh, the, we've heard what the military industrial complex's uh, carbon footprint is and it's it's massive. It's more massive than dozens of countries. Uh, so the human rights campaign was confronted by uh, 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 all kinds of queer activists that uh, uh, that uh, confronted it about the fact that it is taking uh, money uh, from the military industrial complex, which is resulting in the killing of. Uh, uh, men, women, and children, queer and otherwise. Um, it was a beautiful, and it was led by the man who sings the 
the the theme for my show uh, by Hamid Sinno, who is, uh, goes by the name of H. Sinno right now, um, who used to be with Mashru'a Layla, uh, one of the most popular Arab bands. And he uh, delivered an amazing speech, which I hope to share with you uh, at, at some future program. And they uh, they confronted the folks there inside and out. Both those demonstrations, people were flooded the flooded the uh, the, the atriums and the places of of voting and uh, uh, spilled out to the outside. That's how much of a turnout uh, there was. Um, and lastly, the last thing, the the, the ruling by South Africa in the ICJ, in the International Court of Justice, is now we're seeing the effects of it for those of you who doubted that it has an effect. Uh, the Japanese had to withdraw from a deal with Israel uh, 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 citing the, the ICJ ruling in South Africa. So this is one of the allies to Israel that is afraid that it might be uh, implicated in the genocide since uh, 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 since the ruling uh, 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 that came out from South Africa is that uh, uh, that Israel is plausibly committing genocide and that's enough for uh, a country like Japan to say we're not going to be <laughs> plausibly implicated in in genocide and uh, so we'll stay out of this uh, of course the 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 that hasn't stopped from the united states and britain and australia to withdraw their funding of UNRWA, which is the main organization that's been giving jobs and humanitarian aid to the palestinians plus employing them uh, to uh, contribute to the starvation of the people of Palestine. Uh, uh, they are totally in bed with Netanyahu, no matter what rhetoric you're hearing, they're, they're totally on the program of starving this population, which is beginning to eat grass and uh, animal feed, uh, 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 and uh, uh, wondering what, what else that they can eat uh, uh, as uh, Israeli protesters. I mean, uh, 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 the Israelis are really <laughs> outdoing themselves. Uh, they they had blocked, there are scenes of them blocking humanitarian aid to Gaza, to these civilians. Just when you think that they can outdo themselves with their brutality and depravity, there has there is no more depraved people on earth than the Israelis right now, uh, with the exception of the radical bloc that's been protesting the war, uh, uh, and and a handful of of thinkers and Holocaust survivors that mean uh, what they say when they say never again means never again for anybody, not just for Jews but for Gentiles for any human being. Uh, that's the true tradition of uh, Holocaust survivors. Um, and and we're noticing that the radical Zionists are coming from uh, the it's the opposite of the United States where here we have the Gen Z are the most progressive generation their their Gen Z is the most reactionary generation. Um, so with that, uh, uh, let's go to uh, this report by Electronic Intifada. This interview with Leila Haddad. Um, about uh, uh, this lawsuit that she placed at the, the federal court in California. Zain, before we go, we've got a few people to thank, if you don't mind. I like of to, course. Yes, of I'd course. like to thank Anonymous out of Severn, Maryland. Anonymous, thank you very much, coming out of Severn, Maryland. John Hall from Washington, D.C. Thank you, sir. I believe I know John. And then we have another Anonymous out of Silver Spring, Maryland, Thank you for supporting this show. Shaywanana uh, is not a fad or a trend. Zane, how many years have we been doing this show now? Uh, it's six and a half now. Six and a half years of WPFW talking about 
Arab culture and politics that you don't hear anywhere else. And Zane called it right. I did not know you were a medical professional, but <laughs> WPFW <laughs> is inoculated against censorship. We exactly. speak truth to power because we are beholden only to our listener supporters, not to any government, not to any foundations, not to any universities. We speak truth to power every single day, but we need your support to continue doing so. We are a free media. It is There is no profit involved in this. We get your support only to stay operational, and we are at 44% of goal for this show right now. We really need to be at 100% so that we know that these shows are self-sustaining. 202-588-9739 is the number to dial. We have operators standing by waiting for your call and pledge of support. Join this community that speaks truth to power, that brings you jazz and justice like you've never received it over the radio, over the airwaves, over the internet. We say WPFW is global and it is not just a saying. We are not in an ivory tower. We bring you issues from all over the world, all around the world, because justice, injustice, Anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Words spoken by Martin Luther King Jr. Never truer. We're seeing it today. And we again ask for your support. Go to our website, which is wpfwfm.org. Besides the archives, the schedule, and everything that is there, there's a donate now button that you can hit to pledge quickly and securely, and you're in. Need your support? Help us move these numbers. Zane, thank you, sir. Thank you. Again, uh, one last time, the numbers before we go into this report by Electronic Intifada are 202-588-9739. Also, you can uh, go on, uh, straight online and make a donation there at wpfwfm.org. Go to the Donate button and scroll down to the Shai Wanana Show and uh, uh, make a donation there. And lastly, you can just go on your phone, go to the Cash app, and make a donation at dollar sign WPFW, dollar sign WPFW. And uh, uh, let's listen to this report from Electronic Intifada. On the same day that the International Court of Justice delivered its preliminary orders last Friday, a federal court in Oakland, California, heard arguments in the case of Defense for Children International Palestine versus Biden. The lawsuit was brought by DCIP along with the Center for Constitutional Rights and Al-Haq together with Palestinians in Gaza and the US. They filed the lawsuit in November against President Biden, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin for the failure by those officials to prevent and complicity in the Israeli government's unfolding genocide against them, their families, and the 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza. Attorneys asked the court to immediately order the United States to cease military support for Israel's unfolding genocide of Palestinians in Gaza and opposed the government's efforts to have the case dismissed. According to the Center for Constitutional Rights, one plaintiff testified from Gaza, one from Ramallah, and five plaintiffs provided live testimony in court of the death, displacement, and destruction their families and communities have faced since Israel began its campaign of retaliation for the October 7th Hamas attacks. In just one example, approximately 60 members of Ahmed Abu Fool's extended family have been killed since the complaint was filed in November, underscoring the need for the court to issue an immediate injunction. Ahmed, of course, is a lawyer with Al-Haq and has been on this live stream several times before. Joining us now to talk about the federal case is one of the plaintiffs, our friend Leila Haddad. Leila is a Palestinian journalist, writer, public speaker, gardener, foodie, and mom. She's the author of the books Gaza Mom and Gaza Kitchen, and she co-edited Gaza Unsilenced with Rifat Alarir. Leila, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada live stream. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> Hi, Leila. It's so good to see you. It's really Likewise, it's it's a privilege to be here. I was um, was getting a little, you know, 
wondering why why Heidi hasn't had me on yet, but (laughs) 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 better late than never. Um, Before we get into the federal case, though, uh, tell us about your family in Gaza right now. Are, Are you even able to get in touch with them? Where where are they? What do you know so far? It's, you know, I just, right as you were speaking, I was trying to see if I could get any updates from my, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice, as you can see from days of, of, um, of you know, testifying and so on. Um, my cousins in Rafah in the south of Gaza are the ones that I've been in communication with, but we've lost contact for the past few days, which, you know, is always unnerving because um, I know things are really bad if I don't hear from them in particular. But I also have an extended number of family members in the city that haven't left since the beginning, um, as well as within central Gaza. And I have uh, my aunt and my cousins in um, Mawasi of Khan Yunus. So the ones in the city uh, are the ones that are probably in the most precarious situation. Um, One of my cousins and her husband and her two children are right in front of the uh, Nasr hospital in Gaza City and were initially completely besieged by Israeli tanks and sort of had a small reprieve. And then in the past few days, um, you might have heard that there was another evacuation order for that entire area of Gaza, but I don't believe they left. So I just haven't been able to hear from them. I heard finally from my cousin uh, in Gaza City, who was a witness to the uh, murder of my aunt at the, uh, by Israeli forces and Uh, his brothers and my cousin's wife as well. This was on November the 2nd, and I just hadn't heard from him since. And he uh, was explaining to me how he was basically uh, trying to approximate, find any kind of safety or shelter or fleeing from one neighborhood to another within the city. He initially was in the Shifa compound, and then uh, a few days ago told me that that was uh, no longer safe and and uh, very difficult for his children. He moved to another area in Rimal and then another third area because the Rimal area um, was being hit uh, yesterday and the day before. Uh, so it's, I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. Um, I I feel, I feel awful talking to them. And if it's any consolation, they say to me, tell everyone that you speak to, to keep speaking out and keep writing and keep protesting and keep, suing and keep, you know, whatever it is that's in your capacity to do, they said, keep doing it because it's important to us. And it, and it reminds us and it makes us feel that we are not alone, that we are heard and we are seen. Um, and we, you know, we, we have those speaking out on our behalf. Uh, I could, you know, speak in more detail about, about what my cousin relate to me, but, I, um, yeah, as well. That, that's such an important message, Leila. It's the same message that I get from everyone we're in contact with in Gaza. And it's one, I think, that everyone uh, who's watching today or who's going to be watching this uh, live stream later on should and do take to heart that we have to keep raising our voices. And that's that's the most important thing we can do for all our friends and colleagues and loved yes. ones uh, in, in Gaza. And we certainly pray for your family and everyone in Gaza to be safe and for this horror to end uh, very quickly, which is what you and the other plaintiffs in this um, uh, federal court case against President Biden and other top U.S. officials are trying to achieve. Um so tell us about what happened in court last Friday. That was the same day that the World Court issued its uh, preliminary uh, measures in South Africa's case against Israel over this genocide. Uh, your case was being heard the same day. Tell us about how you joined the case as a plaintiff and what happened in federal court and, and what did it feel like to, to be there? Uh, I'll start. I'll start in the middle. It. I joined the case because I felt it was, first of all, my duty that I was obligated to do everything in my power, uh, where I'm able to put an end to this genocide against my family and against my people, uh, and I will exercise all tools at my disposal, whether that's protesting or. Uh, meeting with my senator, writing letters, mobilizing locally, and going to court, using 
the legal measures as well. Uh, as an American taxpayer, as a Palestinian from Gaza, uh, I think it's important that I do that. I know that it is also painful and it is difficult, as you probably saw in that testimony, um, but it is also urgent and it is necessary. It is absolutely vital. And um, my mandate is my family and my people there. And as long as this is something that they feel um, is relevant and important and significant, I, I will keep doing that um, until my dying breath. And um, and so that was why I joined it uh, in terms of, um, and of course, you know, the idea being of the, behind the lawsuit um, is to ask the court to issue an injunction to uh, to uh, put an end to furthering this genocide, to to put an end to sending any more, to bar the U.S. government from sending any more arms and any more financial, political, uh, diplomatic support uh, to Israel, suing them, of course, uh, for preventing, uh, for failing rather, to prevent an ongoing uh, genocide, which they are obligated to do. Uh, so those were the reasons why, in terms of what uh, it was, it felt like, and, and maybe I'll proceed that by saying we frankly, didn't even think we would get this far. So um, I just want to say it was a, an incredible victory that that we the this was not dismissed, that the court not only did not dismiss it, but agreed to an in-person live testimony. And um, and I'll talk a little bit more about about what happened in the court. But just, you know, we were all a little apprehensive, a little nervous. We weren't sure what to expect. And, and we went in there and for four and a half hours, the judge heard testimony after testimony from different Palestinians, both in the United States and in Gaza, as well as from an expert witness in genocide studies uh, about how this genocide has impacted us. Uh, extensive testimony discussing the Nakba for the first time, I dare say, in history in a U.S. court not only as it pertained to Palestinians in 1948, but the extension of that being the ongoing genocide in Gaza and the sort of the modern day Nakba. The first time I believe that uh, a court ever heard any of this in the United States. And it was something incredibly, as painful as it was, incredibly powerful about that moment or, or moments, I should say, of those four hours. And we really came out feeling, feeling empowered inspired, um, hopeful. Uh, I, there's no really other other way to describe it. It was it was incredibly important and historic and and very significantly, every single objection that was attempted by the defendants, by the US government and their lawyers was overruled by the judge. They were mm -hmm. particularly, yeah, they were particularly um, you know, incest by the scholar uh, of genocide studies, um, Barry um, Trachtenberg, Dr. Barry Trachtenberg at the end. And, and you might have seen the reel of that where literally they're saying objection overruled, objection overruled, everything from his qualifications to his CV to why, to the fact that he, you know, didn't have a, a degree in foreign policy to which he quipped, I didn't realize that was a degree. And of course the court kind of like burst out into laughter. Um, and so they were frustrated the, the defendants were very frustrated and, and sort of, you know, muttered at one point. Um, but again, it was really remarkable also that the judge preceded all of this by issuing some <clears throat> prepared remarks, which he didn't have to do. That kind of set the tone for the entire day um, and also listened very carefully, gave us, allotted us the maximum amount of time that we each needed for our testimonies. Um, and ended with a summary saying essentially that this was the most important case of his career that he wanted to deliberate on and take very seriously and, and letting us know that we had been seen and we had been heard, which might seem trivial. But for those of us who, who have endured and who have seen our families endure um, the horrors of this ongoing genocide, just being able to hear such words was more than we have heard or seen by our own administration in, in the entire three months, you know, instead uh, our family's deaths, you know, have, have been raised into question, right? The, um, we've been dehumanized. Um, uh, the genocide continues despite overwhelming evidence uh, uh, demonstrating uh, the deliberateness of, of, of the, and the nature and the intent right, um, of this genocide and Biden himself acknowledging that many of these bombings have been in, indiscriminate. Yeah. Leila, just, uh, you know, 
one thing listening to you, I'm remembering how emotional I felt and many other people felt when we listened to South Africa present its case at the International Court of Justice and that feeling of being heard for the first time. I mean, it, it sounds trivial, but when you actually experience it, it's very powerful. You get this rush of emotion, of validation that we never feel as Palestinians or, or rarely feel. And just to remind viewers that in, I hadn't seen that reel you mentioned, but uh, in general, uh, in, in fact, it, it yeah, was but, IMU. Yeah, no, I encourage everyone to yeah, see it. But just, just to say that the mm -hmm. United States federal courts do not allow uh, cameras. People are used to seeing trials and hearings in US state courts but we don't have cameras in federal courts, which is why it's so important for you to be here and tell us what happened in court. Otherwise, none of us who weren't there would know about it. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and in fact, the judge, um, in addition to allowing the live testimony, allowed um, 1,000 permits, I think, for um, people to view it um, live streamed on Zoom. Um, which was also which was also incredible, but but yes, I agree with everything you said. It was because it was I don't overshadowed is maybe the wrong word, but you know by the ICJ ruling and and by everything that was happening with Onurwa, um, I don't think unless you're in the Bay Area, people got a sense or a real appreciation for how historic and how incredible um, that day and those moments uh, those moments were for Palestinians in their own words, in their own voice, for the first time to be narrating their own experience in a federal court about yeah. uh, what the United States um, is complicit in doing. <clears throat> Leila, uh, was there any indication that um, your case uh, was, was bolstered by the decision of the ICJ earlier in the day? Was there any um, discussion within the, the the testimonies that were given um, about you know the, the the obligation now that the Biden administration had I mean they had before but but especially you know emboldened by the ICJ's uh, uh, provisional measures. Yes, so in fact the the lawyers, God bless them. I wish one of them was on with us right now. Got up at the crack of dawn at three or four a.m. Pacific time to listen to the, um, the, the ruling and, um, and to deliver the documents to the judge. And so he was well aware of that ruling um, prior to our own testimonies and hearings. And, um, and I do believe that that will likely have an impact on his decision. Much of this, of course, will and may come down to, um, uh, you know, matters of whether or not this is his jurisdiction um, and that's what the defense was trying to argue. But it nevertheless is a huge, regardless of the outcome, huge political victory for Palestinians um, in terms of being heard and seen in terms of putting continuing to put pressure on the administration. Yeah. And in, in terms also um, of, you know, the, the, the judge having heard that if he is not and he, he kept saying, tell me, I want to hear from you, from the lawyers tell me what to do. It was almost like he was saying, I, I need help. I need you to help me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what is it in my power to do? And, um, and they told him that this would be the last place that the, um, that we as plaintiffs could seek um, recourse, legal recourse. Um, and I think he really took that to heart or, or, you know, so that's our hope at least. Um, but again, regardless, we still feel just having gotten this far is really, a huge, a huge victory. Yeah. Um, and it was an incredible moment um, as far as the Palestinian struggle um, and, and the Palestinian discourse in the United States goes. And it, it really is a credit to the lawyers and all the plaintiffs, uh, which include Palestinians in Gaza and Palestinian Americans who are directly affected, who have family in Gaza. And we did have someone uh, from the Center for Constitutional Rights on right when this lawsuit was filed. And we definitely should have a lawyer back uh, as this case proceeds to kind of uh, get into some of the in and outs. But uh, one of the things I understand about the case uh, is that the Genocide Convention, the International Genocide Convention, is incorporated into United States law 
because the United States ratified it and President Ronald Reagan signed it. And so the obligations on President Biden and Secretary of State Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin are legally binding. And you are going to court in order to enforce their obligations under United States law and international law. And I think it's so hard for us to ever feel any hope because, and we've said this in the past few weeks as we've discussed the ICJ case and other attempts at justice, you know, we get to a certain point and the door gets slammed in our face. They always find a way to shut it And uh, I'm back. Uh, there is, what you're listening to is an interview that was conducting by uh, Ali Abunima and Nora Burrows, uh, Friedman um, of Electronic Intifada with uh, Leila Haddad. This is Leila Haddad is a is a writer uh, and uh, and a foodie and a chef who uh, uh, wrote the uh, Gaza Kitchen, um, the Gaza Kitchen, and she is somebody that actually lives in Baltimore. And we've had her on the show uh here on on my radio show before she's the one also responsible for bringing um anthony bourdain to to uh gaza to introduce him to palestinian cuisine he did an amazing show about that this is the kind of things this is the kind of uh reporting we have on this uh show and uh this is why i'm asking you to support this show because you're not gonna hear this kind of information this is a the the uh, the, uh, uh, mainstream media has been deliberately not reporting on these things this is a federal court case where multiple uh u.s citizens have taken the president of the united states to court uh for his complicity in the in this genocide that's ongoing and um uh on on WPFW, I don't have to watch my language, meaning I have to watch uh, what I say in terms of obscenities, but I don't have to watch what I say like we do now on social media, where you'll notice people misspelling things like Israel or genocide or um, uh, anything to, that uh, uh, that might get them censored. Um, these are uh, deliberate misspellings. Here, we don't have to mince words uh, because WPFW is truly a platform for freedom of speech, and it's not controlled by any corporate entities like Meta. Um, Zane, can I yes. mention to our audience of how course, far it course. goes in terms of c- control out there in the commercial media landscape? Of course. So that... We don't get sued. <laughs> I understand we are only allowed to re- refer to that ball game as the superb owl. <laughs> the superb owl. <laughs> that's, that, that's how you get away from it because they own the name of it. So we have to call it the oh, superb wow. owl. You folks know what we're oh, talking wow. about. It's marketplace. WPFW <laughs> is not marketplace. Amazing. It is community. As Zane said, we're inoculated against censorship. We speak truth to power every single day. The only way that it happens is by way of listener support. This is ours. This is our free media. It is your free media. You created this. We are mere stewards of a platform that you created, and we need your help right now to keep it running. 202-588-9739 is the number to dial. Operators are standing by waiting for your call and pledge of support to this free media community, media that does not happen without your support. We're at 44% of the way to the goal right now, Zane. So help us out, folks. And Zane, let them know what they're paying for, please. Yes, of course. Uh, 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 This critical information that we're passing is going to become more and more critical, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, when this... uh, uh, war uh, ends when this war on Gaza ends, uh, as the focus uh, will be on censorship, as I mentioned before, and and WPFW becomes more precious in that context. 
uh, uh, a more rare voice for free speech. And so I, I would ask you to support, uh, support. I'm, I volunteer for WPFW uh, because they allow me to talk about my home, my region of the world where I come from very freely and very openly. And I don't get as frustrated with mass media because now I have a platform to speak from. And um, uh, 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 in these times, this show and this station are more critical than ever. And if you want to sustain us, uh, 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 please uh, uh, call 800-222-9739. Or you can call 202-588-9739. And uh, you can uh, also go online, because I know some of you uh, uh, listen online and, and uh, because we archive the shows uh, uh, because of the hours during working hours. Uh, you can go online and uh, uh, go to wpfwfm.org and go to the donate button and scroll down to Shayonana show. And lastly, uh, the easiest, uh, one of the easiest way also to donate is on Cash App by uh, sending your donation to dollar sign WPFW. That is dollar sign WPFW. And uh, we're, uh, we've been listening to an, a really important case that is the first case where the the ICJ ruling has been uh, uh, has been uh, cited uh, to justify the ruling uh, uh, at the federal level here, um, and so we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, uh, basically play off the show with the rest of this interview. But please do call in these last minutes, as we're only forty four percent of the way towards our goal. We'd love to have by 100% by in the next few minutes. Thank you. The last pledge that came in came in from Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you very, very, very much for understanding how this works. As Zane said, we are sitting at 44% of goal. This is Jazz and Justice Radio. And Zane, if you will allow me, since you mentioned that we are inoculated against censorship uh allow me to riff off of something that you said earlier you mentioned that the military industrial complex's carbon footprint is off of the charts well here we are in washington dc part of what we call the dmv and our neighbors in virginia yes i can say this because we're wpfw our neighbors in virginia the pentagon the largest consumer of petroleum products on the planet. Come on, folks. WPFW right. is against all war, all of it. War is waged against children. War is waged against babies. We are against all of it. It's a tough position to be in, actually, because many of us are also settler colonists so how do you call a settler colonist a settler colonist when you are a settler colonist so well as we say making a better world one broadcast at a time how far gone are we as a civilization for wpfw to be revolutionary because it's anti-war are we up mm -hmm. Pro-war right. civilization? We can't be. We cannot possibly be that far gone. But when you have an organization across the river, the Pentagon, that is polluting the world more than anybody else, we've got a problem. And we speak to that problem here on WPFW. Help us get the message across. Help us stay alive because we have no commercial sponsors. We have no universities. We have no government monies. We are entirely listener-supported, and we are able to speak truth to power because of it. You inoculate us against censorship, 202-588-9739. If you can, please do it now. Make that call. Operators are standing by, waiting for your call and your pledge of support. Please support this free media so we can change the world while we still have a chance. 
that's right. Thank you. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ironic that the 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 military bases that are based on the waterfronts are now suffering from flooding, which is caused by climate change, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, something that is directly, of course, affected by this carbon footprint uh, of war. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you, Zane. For WPFW in Washington and WBAI New York, I'm Chris Bangert-Drowns with some brief news headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu today rejected a Hamas ceasefire offer, calling the group delusional and reaffirming his vow to destroy Hamas in Gaza. Netanyahu's public comments rejecting the deal came shortly after he met with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Blinken is expected to hold his own news conference later today. Hamas proposed a four-and-a-half-month ceasefire in Gaza today, demanding a full Israeli withdrawal from the territory in exchange for a release of all hostages it still holds. The Hamas proposal comes in response to an earlier offer from the U.S. and Israel for a three-stage truce. Importantly, the most recent Hamas proposal does not demand an immediate end to the war in Gaza, but rather suggests the war's end could be determined in future talks in exchange for final hostage releases. Blinken said today that a lot of work remains to bridge the diplomatic divide between Israel and Hamas. President Biden described the Hamas proposal as, quote, a little over the top, but said talks would continue. In domestic news, House Republicans failed yesterday to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after three members of their party joined with Democrats and Representative Al Green, recovering from surgery, made a surprise appearance to cast a critical vote. The final vote was 214 to 216. Republicans claimed that Mayorkas committed high crimes and misdemeanors for his handling of the southern border, even though constitutional experts have said the evidence does not reach that standard. Homeland Security Committee Chair Mark Green said he was frustrated with the failed vote, but vowed Republicans will try again when Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who is undergoing treatment for cancer, is back. GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley suffered a major defeat yesterday in a non-binding GOP primary in Nevada, where she was the only major candidate on the ballot. In a contest that Donald Trump skipped, more voters selected the none-of-these-candidates option than chose Haley on the primary ballot. But yesterday's contest won't award delegates to the GOP National Convention. Instead, the party will use results from the GOP-run caucus, which will be held tomorrow. Trump is expected to win that caucus. On the Democratic side, President Joe Biden won the primary yesterday with nearly 90% of the vote. The Environmental Protection Agency today announced stricter standards for fine particle pollution, generally known as soot. The Biden administration says reducing such pollution from tailpipes, smokestacks, and other industrial sources could prevent thousands of premature deaths every year. Environmental and public health groups say the rule is a major step in improving Americans' health. Industry groups warn it could lead to a loss of manufacturing jobs and even shut down power plants or refineries. EPA head Michael Regan says the rule will especially benefit children, older adults, and those with heart and lung conditions, as well as people in low-income communities adversely affected by decades of industrial pollution. And a key vote is expected in the Senate today to open debate on a $118 billion immigration and foreign aid bill, and it is likely to fail due to GOP opposition. Even if the bill could somehow win enough support to pass the Senate, House Speaker Mike Johnson has already declared the legislation, quote, dead on arrival. Yesterday, President Biden accused Donald Trump of blowing up the plan, which included harsh new border measures as well as new military aid for Ukraine, Israel, and U.S. allies in the Pacific. 
Weather right now in Washington, D.C. is 49 degrees and mostly cloudy. In New York City, 46 degrees with fair skies. For WPFW in Washington and WBAI New York, I'm Chris Bengert-Drowns. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 